The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not too much. Uh, football's back, uh, pending races, and basketball on the horizon. Best time of the year. Let's go. This is Know the Score. Know the Score can be found on the CSPN You can find the CSPN on the web at www.cspn.us. You can also download, subscribe, and listen to Know the Score through iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and also YouTube. Like you said, Dwayne, football is in full swing. We had week one of the NFL. But before we could get to the action on the field. The drama that has been Antonio Brown finally Ooh. came to a head as Mike Mayock and Antonio Brown had a heated discussion that was reported reportedly, allegedly Antonio Brown called Mike Mayock a cracker threatened to punch him in the face Mike Mayock came out the next day, said Antonio Brown was suspended from practice, and that's all that they had to offer at that time. Then on Friday, Antonio Brown comes out. He apologizes to the team by his actions. John Gruden comes out later and says Antonio Brown won't be suspended. He will play in the Monday night game. And then... Saturday happened where apparently on Friday it was reported that Mike Mayock issued the fines to Antonio Brown. He got fined so much that it basically voided out his guaranteed money, his $30 million and his salary would be week to week. So Antonio Brown was like, fuck that. I need to get up out of here. I need to be released And about two hours after that, the Raiders said, yep, we'll grant you your wish. He was released. And this was all happening at around 10 o'clock Eastern time. So he's out there on the waiver wire. He couldn't be picked up by another team until after four o'clock Eastern standard time. And then around 435 o'clock, it comes out. The New England Patriots have picked up Antonio Brown. Well, of course. The rich just get richer as they uh, basically offer up a, a $9 million, $10 million contract with $5 million worth of incentives, all based on if Antonio Brown can complete the season and stay on the team. Everybody's got debates about Antonio Brown conforming to the Patriot way. But before we get there... Libra Icon, just give me your initial reaction to the events between Thursday and Saturday morning 
where Antonio Brown threatened Mike Mayock. He gets suspended from practice. Uh, then he apologizes. And then, you know, that drama where it looks like, okay, it looks like they patched everything up. He's going to play. You know, everything's good with Antonio Brown. So, I have to say that first that my this is not surprising because it's Antonio Brown. We know how hot-headed and how big of an ego that he does have. And it was just a matter of time. I was wondering, I was going to play he would start getting into it with the Raiders and things of that sort and we didn't get out of we didn't get to the opener and so we didn't get out the last week the transition from preseason to regular season so my initial reaction is surprising I also kind of had concern at the same time because I'm like is there something really going on internally with Antonio Brown that I don't know if it's CTE. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's something going on. Something is going on that maybe he needed some kind of help. I don't even know if it was just him wanting to get out of, get out of the Raider environment. I don't think he wanted to be a Raider. I mean, you could definitely tell by some pictures where the team was together. He said out there working by himself. And, you know, we had the phone call that was played from John Gruden. Whoever did the editing where it needs to be hired somewhere full-time because that was freaking amazing. But I just – I was just – my main thing was, like, grand opening, grand closing. And, you know, all the stuff he talked about with Derek Carr, how he was happy to be a Raider, da 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 da, da. Then next thing you know – He's calling out David and Derek Carr on, on Twitter, so calling them bumper cars. It's like, what the heck happened? I don't even know, but it was just a wild weekend when it came to Antonio Brown. Then, did you think it would be the Patriots? Did you have an inclination that if it was anybody who would be bold enough and brave enough to touch Antonio Brown mere hours after his latest stunt, it would be Bill Belichick. Oh, absolutely. That was really like practically everybody's fear slash prediction that he was going to that he was going to New England. So well, when it happened, I was just like, of course it's of course out of all the places it would be New England. So yeah, no surprise there whatsoever. Uh, but this will be a very big challenge for Bill Belichick because, you know, we know the kind of person Antonio Brown has shown himself to be over the last several years. And and will he conform? Will he be or will he be himself? That's That's something that remains to be seen. But it was no surprise that he would be landing in New England. Now let's get on to the games as a week one kicked off 
We're going to start with two quarterbacks who had a lot of question marks coming into the season. And they started off the season with uh, some very big performances. I'm talking about Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott. They both posted perfect QB ratings. Lamar Jackson was 17 for 20 for 324 yards and five touchdowns in Baltimore's destruction of Miami, 59 to 19. Just an impressive first half. Um, he found uh, Hollywood Brown deep twice in the first half for touchdowns. He found his tight end for a couple of touchdowns as well. I mean, Lamar Jackson was just really balling. And then Dak Prescott, he was 25 to 32 for 405 yards and four touchdowns. The Cowboys beat the Giants 35 to 17. Dak looked very, very good throwing the deep ball. He found Randall Cobb for a touchdown. He found Jason Witten for a touchdown. He found uh, Cooper for a touchdown, and he found their new tight end. I can't remember his name, but he looks like he might be really good as well. I don't know if it was just a combination of Dak Prescott being that good or the Giants defense being that bad, but the plays were there. Dak made them. So we'll start with Lamar Jackson. Dwayne, we thought Lamar Jackson was going to run it 20 times and maybe throw it 10, but he came out throwing and came out throwing often and uh, 324 yards, five touchdowns. Your impressions of the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and their win over Miami. Uh, it was different. We saw the we saw the offense kind of tailored to his needs, and I mean, I don't know if the Dolphins are really this bad or they're just just embracing the full tank. But either way you look at it, they really beat them like they stole something, and and I don't know if it. I don't know what was stolen, but that that was a beatdown of epic proportions. And I was just sitting there watching Red Zone at work, and I'm just sitting here like, at least pitch the bitch, like for real, like like Miami do something. And if I'm a Dolphins fan, I probably would just cancel the season, just you know, go out on the ocean, have a good time, enjoy the city, just don't go anywhere near that Hard Rock Stadium. So uh, just not a good showing. I mean, but what Baltimore did, the offense was explosive. The defense was stifling. And to put 59 points up, I think we really showed that Lamar Jackson can be a pocket passer. He does not have to just do everything with his legs. He's not a running back. He's not a receiver. He's not a skip back. Anything, man. So, just a great performance overall by the Ravens. And they definitely, I thought they are going to put 60-piece on him, but 59 is pretty close enough. I mean, we ain't seen Nobody scored that many points in several years, so hats off to him. Dak Prescott, he is in line to get a major payday because Jared Goff just got read up for a whole lot of money guaranteed. I think it was $110 million guaranteed. 
So we heard earlier in the, in the summer that Prescott was asking for about $40 million a season. But people were like, oh, no, that Prescott's not worth that much. Guaranteed money. But now, after this performance and the new precedent that's been set, looks like the Cowboys might want to try to get on that as quick as possible. Absolutely. And my fantasy team thinks Dak Prescott. Shout out to me for starting Dak over Kevin this week. So I'm very happy with that performance. But yeah, he, we, we, we all were ridiculing Dak for asking for that much money. But I think he's on a mission to prove a point that he is worth that much. Um, but, you know, you got to make sure everybody gets. They're good. They get their worth as long as, you know, everybody else gets to, you know, you want to keep that core around. So there's a lot of decisions that's going to need to be made. But, yeah, definitely great job by Dak Prescott. The Cowboys, you know, they survived the early, the early momentum from the Giants. But, yeah, this too much going on, too much offensive power. Defense finally caught up, matched the offensive energy, and it was a great win for Dallas. So good job by the Cowboys, good job by Dak, and, and you know, I got a lot of money on the line on. So I just got to make good choices between those two quarterbacks. So I'm really happy with that. Dak was such a story of the game that Zeke Elliott was an afterthought. Uh, you don't even know his stats. He really wasn't a factor in the game, per se. Uh, he did have a couple of, you know, nice runs. No fumbles, no turnovers. So, you know, he was just kind of riding Dak's coattails, and that was a little bit different than the formula that the Cowboys have used. Uh, they do have a new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, this season, and it looked like he was attacking a lot more. Dak was throwing the ball deep. Uh, I know he got Gallup on, like, two or three nice deep passes, so it looks like yeah. the Cowboys have a different philosophy on offense, and it may be able to suit that Prescott skills a little bit more, and that's just going to increase the price, if that is the case, even more for yeah. Dallas. I mean, throw him for 405, four touchdowns, and then Zeke only have 13 carries for 53 yards. I mean, still in a touchdown, still productive. But, yeah, yeah, those two deep balls of Michael Gallup, because he has 158 yards on seven catches as well. We'll move over to the team in your city, the Tennessee Titans go into Cleveland and they stun the darlings of the preseason, the Cleveland Browns, 43 to 13. The defense was all over Baker Mayfield after the opening drive. Um, they really stifled Cleveland, shut them down, held them to two field goals after they got a touchdown on their opening drive. The offense behind Derrick Henry, Marcus Mariota, they took their chances and they uh, made the most of those opportunities. The defense got a couple of touchdowns as well. So the Titans, very impressive. They just missed out on the playoffs last year by one game coming up just short in a must-win situation due to injury to their quarterback, Marcus Mariota. So we're talking in the pre-show that this is basically a prove-it year for Marcus Mariota. He's got to prove that he can stay healthy. He's got to prove that he can make plays. He's got to prove that he's quarterback long-term for the Titans. 
And so far, he's off to a good start. So your first impressions of the local team in your area, the Tennessee Titans, and how everybody's feeling after week one. I mean, they, they played well. You know, Mariota threw for three touchdowns. Derrick Henry ran for one. The defense had a had a uh, pick six in this game, and they intercepted Baker Mayfield three times in the fourth. It was a good game overall. I mean, the Browns didn't help matters by having 18 penalties for 182 yards, so I kind of also think that played a major factor in that, lack of discipline. And, man, but I think this is more Tennessee being motivated by all the hype the Browns are getting instead of, you know, you know, nothing was proven on the field. And they did definitely kill the hype train because a lot of people are feeling like they've been duped. I mean, but then again, it's a long season. That's part of the week one overreactions. And, you know, Cleveland's never been great in openers at at really anything, but they're 119-1. and one since returning to the league and, you know, season opener. So um, I think with the with the Browns, it's one of those things where you just have to see where you, you got nowhere to go but up. But for the Titans, you know, it's going to be a body of work. We're going to, you know, impressive week one win over a team that many people – you know, crown before the season started. But, you know, you also got to look at the Browns are still a young team. They haven't – they're not a a mature team. They got a young quarterback. They got two receivers that are young. The core of the team is very young. And, you know, they're also with the head coach that's in his first season. And so we're going to just have to see how it plays out over the course of the year. And – We'll see how things go with the Titans as well. The Patriots, they went in and had their banner displayed at Foxborough. And then they went out and demolished the Steelers 33-3. Tom Brady, sharp as ever. Touchdown passes to uh, Philip Dorsett. Uh, Amendola, I'm not Amendola, but um, Edelman and Josh Gordon. The defense looked really, really good, but Bill Belichick at the helm. And the Steelers, uh, their house of horrors at Foxborough continues. Tom Brady's like 7 and 0 against the Steelers at home at Foxborough. And I was like, sure, money, put it down. The Patriots are going to beat the Steelers in Foxborough. Were you surprised at the lack of offense from Pittsburgh? The, I mean, we knew they were going to take a hit, but man, three points? Okay, it's, they didn't just take a hit. They got smacked in the mouth, and and the Patriots' defense was just stifling this whole game. Tom Brady was picking the Pittsburgh secondary part on offense, and I was not anticipating this lack of showing. I thought they would be a lot better, a lot more competitive, but yeah, New England, I mean, Tom Brady's ageless, you know, he, he is definitely 
found that found the youth. I mean, when you don't get hit that much in the course of your career, you're you get to prolong it basically. So, and it was just it was a bad game all around for the Steelers and and uh, you know Roethlisberger was. I mean, he didn't do much. I mean, he only threw an interception, but it just felt like, you know, no touchdowns. There was no real punch for the running game. Uh, James Conner only had 21 yards and 10 carries. Uh, it, was, it was just already it was just already just a bad game all around. I don't think this – I don't think even, you know – they need Antonio. <laughs> Who needs Antonio Brown? I mean, this really one of those things where you know, like you said, like we said earlier before the show started, the riches get richer, and and um, this is one of those things where we'll see. How, we gotta see how Pittsburgh rebounds from this. It may be a long season in Steel City, but it could be. It could be a time where things can change and we'll just have to wait and see. Speaking of quarterbacks getting hit, Nick Foles delivered on a long touchdown pass, but the resulting hit broke his collarbone and he's going to be out at least like nine or ten weeks after he has surgery on a broken collarbone. And in the same game, Tyreek Hill catches a pass. He gets tackled on the sideline, and he injures his collarbone as well. He's expected to miss a few weeks. No surgery expected, but he's just going to have to sit out and heal. So the Chiefs, they do roll over the Jaguars. They put up 40 again. Uh, rookie quarterback for the Jaguars did come in, and uh, his stats were pretty good. I think he was like 17 for 19. Yeah, for, you know, 200 and some yards. Um, So he's going to presumably be the quarterback going forward. The Jaguars did trade for Joshua Dobbs, the backup quarterback formerly of the Steelers. So now he's moving on to the Jaguars. This changes the dynamics of the Jaguar season right off the bat because everybody was excited about Nick Foles coming in, his leadership, and uh, his just overall ability and upgrade at the quarterback position for Jacksonville. So can the Jaguars rally behind this rookie quarterback and steal, in the words of Dick Vermeil, play good football? Absolutely. I mean, Gary Minshew, he was a six-round pick. He had a disastrous preseason, but he comes out those 22 or 25 for 275 in a loss. I mean, they lost. I'm sure that that's the thing that they're going to point at, but this was an impressive game filling in, and you know, you bring up the Dick Vermeil thing, and you know, remember that '99 season when Trent Green was supposed to be the starter, and an unknown Kurt Warner came in and just took the lead by storm. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you never know. But I think, and this also just goes back to the fact where. 
Nick Foles, when he leaves Philadelphia, bad things happen. And unfortunate, you know, unfortunately, he had to go down the broken collarbone. And same with Tyree Hill, but Sammy Watkins did more than enough to <laughs> to keep the team afloat. I mean, nine catches, 198 yards, three touchdowns, off to a blazing start there. He looked like the Clemson version of himself. He really did. I, I, it's like, I don't know who, I forgot who Sammy Watkins was, and I think he gave us a great reminder of who he is because especially on those first two plays in the first quarter, that 68-yard and the 49-yarder, that was definitely Clemson Sammy Watkins that's been missing for a very long time. And the Sean McCoy did great. His debut, you know, with with the Chiefs, of course, he's back under Andy Reid, and and we know good things happen with Shady and Andy together. Kyler Murray, the number one pick, he brings the Cardinals back in the fourth quarter to force overtime against the Lions, and the game ends in a twenty-seven twenty-seven tie. So for about three quarters, didn't look very good for the young man, but somewhere towards the end of the third quarter through the fourth quarter, he found his rhythm, got the Cardinals in the end zone twice. They got two two-point conversions, and they got in the overtime, and his first game ends in a tie. But if it's all about not how you start but how you finish, I'm pretty sure Kyler Murray feels really good about the way that this game ended up for him. So just some of your initial thoughts watching Kyler Murray play his first game as a rookie in the NFL. Uh, what are some things that stood out to you that you saw that you liked and maybe some things that you did? How much he got rushed to the ball every single time. And he was getting ran for his life. But like you said, he had a lot of poise. He had a lot of – lot of uh, he, he willed the team back. And willed the team back to force overtime. And, you know, you can look at it as uh, they didn't lose, you know, because they were down 18 in the fourth. And it looked like the Lions were going to run away with this. But Tell me uh, about it. My fantasy team was looking bravo. I was like, oh, yeah, Lions defense, rookie quarterback. They should be able to get some things done, maybe a pick six, at least a couple of interceptions. It was like, oh, 17 nothing, exactly what I need. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, it's 20 to three, not too bad. Okay, it's 20 to 10, what is going on here? And then you just see the score changing and changing in the Cardinals' favor, like, what are y'all doing? Yeah, that's definitely... That's definitely how I felt. Uh, I thought, you know, part of me almost picked up the lines, but I was just like, this would be the game that Kyler would have a good one. And it was one of those trap games for me. And I, I got it. And especially given what was shown in the preseason, I mean, with the, there's not that much tape on this Cardinals team, so you go by what you observed, and there's really not enough 
Uh, not, not enough. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, ah, what's the word I'm looking for? Tape? Film? Yeah, not enough film. And so when you don't have enough film, you really got to guessing what can happen. And I think when the Lions kind of went into prevent mode, and, you know, anytime you use the prevent defense, you prevent yourself from winning. Um, You know, they, you know, tie is a tie. They played the overtime. They only traded field goals. Nobody could get to the end zone, and it is what it is at this point, so. When I noticed about Murray, uh, just for the half of football that I watched, three quarters, is that he uh, had a lot of uh, trouble getting the ball over the line in just a straight, you know, stand in the pocket type of pocket passing out of the shotgun. Um, the offense didn't really look that futuristic. I think Kansas City's offense is still more, you know, dynamic, has more moving parts, smoking mirrors. They just kind of line up in a in the spread and just kind of, you know, try to you know, have him make the reads and throw to the right person. So, you know, there's a lot of short outs and they took a couple of shots that didn't connect in the first half, but I didn't see this, you know, revolutionary, uh, you know, this is what we brought Keith Cliff Kingsbury into the NFL with Colin Murray, you know, together as one type of offense. I didn't really see anything that dynamic in this game. So we'll see how teams play them the rest of the season and if that can show itself. But I just thought it was kind of like if you grew up with the run and shoot back in the day, Detroit Lions, Houston, it just kind of looked like that. They just, you know, they were spread out and he was in a shotgun the whole time. Yeah. And I think with the, with that quote unquote air raid offense, you know, you got a game, yeah. And I think I alluded this to our NFC West preview show. This is in college. I mean, you can have a spread, you can have all this, but if you're expecting 600, 700 yards against a bunch of professionals and a bunch of experienced guys, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen at all. So. I hope this is something they can learn from and, you know, take it going forward. But we'll see how bad the tie will help or hurt these teams when it comes to playoff and draft time. Final game we'll talk about the Saints and the Texans. They exchanged the lead three times in the final two minutes. The wild Monday night game, the Saints win at the buzzer with a 58-yard field goal. Uh, just a great thirty-second drill by, <laughs> by, by fantasy team by uh, Drew Brees navigating the Saints into field goal position. Bad defensive coaching by the tight uh, by the Texans, excuse me. In the final play before the field goal, they basically played a prevent defense, allowing the Saints to get seven, eight easy yards that help. Uh, you know, make that field goal a lot closer. Um, four touchdowns from Deshaun Watson. 
he looked pretty good. Uh, Hopkins had two of those. Will Fuller had a couple of those. But the Saints, they found a way. They started slow, but they really came on in the second half. This is not what you wanted to see. I know from the Saints, I know you was hoping to see Drew Brees, you know, continue the struggles that he kind of was on in the second half of the season last year. And then the first half, it looked like he was still suffering from that, but he really found himself in the second half. Let's talk about Drew Brees' performance, getting the Saints this win, uh, opening game for the Saints, 58-yard field goal from Will Lutz over the Texans. Well, it was one of those situations where I really didn't get a chance to watch the game like I wanted to, but this was a wild this was a wild game. I mean, this this uh, Saints team is built for explosive plays. It's built for uh, guys like Michael Thomas to get open and and for Drew Brees to move around the pocket. And I think we saw the vintage Brees late in the game, the Brees that is known for willing his team to, to a win. And we haven't seen that as much of anything in the last uh, few years. Yeah, he definitely uh, pulled one out of the pocket. Uh, The Texans defense was really in good shape for most of this game, but the third quarter couldn't get off the field a couple of times and the offense stifled out and it really helped the Saints get back in the game. So good win by the Saints. We'll talk about some week two matchups. Oh, before we do that, we'll talk about Dwayne's Carolina Panthers. They fall to the Rams at home 30-27. to uh, Late start by the Panthers. They were down 13 uh, nothing before they really kind of got into the game, got into the groove of things. Christian McCaffrey, the star of the game, he had over 120 yards rushing, over 100 yards receiving. Uh, only the, the uh, he's the only player to do that two times in his career. So big ups to Christian McCaffrey making some NFL history. But Dwayne, what did you see from your Carolina Panthers uh, losing to the Rams thirty to twenty seven at home? Well, I saw a lethargic offense to begin with. I think the defense did as much as they could initially in the game by. Trying to try to get everything done, try to get their work done, but I thought Cam's uh, shoulder wasn't affecting him like we had alluded to. We did. I was concerned when he left with the with the uh, with the injury early on, and but he was able to come back. The first half of this game was really the Rams in control. I think Carolina kind of lost the momentum early when they fumbled on the opening drive, and then the second drive they missed the field goal. And then, and then they got they woke up in the second half. You know, they got back into the game not once but twice, but by the end of it all. There's really, there's really nothing else to say about this game. Uh, Todd Gurley was pretty limited. I think Sean McVay had that kind of planned out 
where he was going to just wait till the fourth quarter to unleash him. And the last takeaway I have from this game is that Wade Phillips definitely has Cam Newton's number. I mean, remember he was a defense coordinator in Super Bowl 50 with the Broncos. He's a defense coordinator with the Rams, and he definitely has a history of uh, he has a history of um, uh, really figuring out Cam and those kinds of styles, which is why the Broncos retain him as a defense coordinator. The Washington football team went up to Philadelphia and they started out hot. Vernon Davis was a great play in the flat, hurdling a couple of guys, staying in bounds, running for a 48-yard touchdown. Terry McLaurin, rookie from Ohio State, catches a 70-yard bomb from Case Keenum. It's 17 to nothing, looking really good for the Washington football team. Gets a halftime. They give up a deep ball to Deshaun Jackson, but it's still 20 to 7 at half. Things are looking good. And then the second half happens. Jonathan Allen gets hurt. The defense can't get off the field. The offense can't make a play. And the Eagles come roaring back to win 32 to 27. Disappointing, disappointing for the Washington football team. Did not expect the offense to have that much punch, especially to begin with, and expected the defense to do a lot better than they did. They had nothing all day, no adjustments, no pressure, uh, miscommunication in the secondary, Deshaun Jackson running wild. Just not a very good effort for the so-called strength of the team. So we'll see how things look this coming Sunday. Is that that's going to bring us to our week two matchups here on Know the Score. As we are talking about the NFL, we're going to talk about some week two matchups. Preview the game that starts on Thursday night first. Tampa Bay. They're going to travel down to Carolina. They're going to play the Panthers. So, Dwayne, two quarterbacks. With uh, a lot to prove to their respective fan bases. You know, Cam is out here with the new shoulder, still really trying to get into the groove of this North Turner offense. And we've got Jameis Winston trying to prove to Tampa Bay that he is worthy of the franchise quarterback label, trying to prove to Bruce Arians that he's the man to lead the team in the immediate future. Your thoughts on who's going to come out on top, Tampa Bay versus Carolina. All right, so I'm picking Carolina, uh, not just because that's my team. I think they have the better defense uh, front. I expect more Gerald McCoy to be uh, used in this game. He did say he wanted some more snaps, which is very respectable and commended by head coach Ron Rivera. He was the one who players are accountable. And, and when... When, uh, with Tampa Bay, if Jameis can control the game versus giving the game away like he did against San, Fr- San Francisco last week, then the Bucks do have a vastly better chance. But he's going to find a way to 
do better in this uh in this game and it'll be on him to lead this team to victory. My beloved Washington football team, they're hosting their arch rivals, the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday. It's going to be a tough one if uh, Dak Prescott can throw the football like he did last week against the Giants. Washington is going to have to have the same type of effort from Case Keenum in their passing game to try to move the ball against Dallas. The running game is going to be highly focused on this week because Darius Geis is injured again. Adrian Peterson, who was surprisingly inactive last week, should be active and getting the bulk of the carries this week. So we'll see what it looks like as Washington takes on Dallas at home. It's going to be a tough day. They're going to have to play very well. Uh, Other matchups, we're looking at the Vikings and the Packers. The Saints and the Rams matchup from last year's NFC Championship game. This time, this game is taking place in L.A., though, but still there's going to be a lot of focus on that game. And uh, Saints fans are definitely going to be really tuned into that one. And the Chiefs and the Raiders. Say, so what about the uh, Saints and the Rams? If they don't if they don't walk the streets of L.A. to protest this game prior to <laughs> And also the Chiefs and the Raiders. The Raiders are coming off a victory on Monday Night Football, so they got everybody charged up. John Gruden playing some John Gruden-type football. They got two rushing touchdowns from Josh Jacobs, another passing touchdown from Derek Carr in the red zone. So they're all hyped up about how they started out. So that should be a pretty good matchup. We'll see what the Raiders can do defensively against the Chiefs. Very excited to see what the Vikings and Packers game is going to look like. The Packers uh, look like they found it defense last week against Chicago in the opening game on Thursday night. And the uh, Vikings, uh, their defense shut down Atlanta, and uh, they found a running game with Dalvin Cook. He had uh, over 100 yards, Kirk Cousins being opportunistic through play action and uh, finding Adam Thielen for a touchdown and uh, just controlling the game, not doing anything to hurt them, just uh, helping uh, really shut down Atlanta. That was a very surprising victory just by the way that the Vikings looked on offense and defense. So I'm very excited to see how those two teams match up. This is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra Icon. You can find Know the Score on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So we're going to shift over to college football. Headlines, LSU, they went on the road and they beat Texas behind quarterback Joe Joe Burrow. Excuse me. FSU, they avoided an 0-2 start to the season after a missed extra point in overtime by Louisiana Monroe's field goal kicker. Clemson, they won. They beat Texas A&M in Death Valley. Pretty resounding victory there. The North Carolina Tar Heels behind Mac Brown. They have their second fourth quarter comeback, and they beat Miami to move to 2-0. In Michigan, they hold off Army 24-21 in double overtime at home to avoid the major upset. So, Dwayne, we'll start there. Michigan, 
They've had a lot of high hopes the past two seasons. Jim Harbaugh has really failed to deliver. Uh, Last year, they were ranked, I think, number two or number three coming into the season. A lot of people had them in the mix for the college football playoff, but their season really took a nosedive uh, late last year. So just talk about Jim Harbaugh. You think he's on the hot seat over at Michigan, or do you think that he's got maybe one more year uh, after this one to kind of get his things together before people start saying, hey, we need to start making a change? I would say he needs one more year because usually on a it it goes back to what I was alluding to about the speed of the game, you know. So with the speed of the game, it's a lot faster. So you have you have uh, people in the opposition that can fly to the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So with that being said. You can't rush really a process that is going to hopefully give a return on the investment. So I would say at the moment is not beneficial or necessary to go to go back to what you know versus versus um, you know. Just keep going, trying to expect the same thing, different results. That's basically the definition of insanity. It's been a surprising start for the UNC Tar Heels. Freshman quarterback Sam Howe has led two fourth quarter comebacks. Mac Brown uh, definitely didn't think that he'd be 2-0 starting off against Miami and South Carolina this year to start the season pretty uh daunting task for uh quarter uh, for coach who's been out of the game for about five years and a team that was in such disarray uh coming into the offseason and getting a new coach so it was very shocking to see north carolina do the things that they've done so far uh they've got a really good quarterback that could uh definitely set a lot of records and potentially be a very high draft pick if he continues to improve and continue on the trajectory that he is uh, currently on so far at Chapel Hill. So it's real fun to see Mac Brown get the people over in Chapel Hill energized about the football team. And uh, they actually might have something else to cheer for in October besides the return to Carolina basketball. Um, and Mac Brown will get down in the locker room. So there's that too. <laughs> Florida State. Willie Taggart. He's definitely going to be on a seat that's hotter sooner than later, uh, just with the way that the team is playing. Uh, They seem to start well, but then they tend to fade or they lose focus after they get leads on teams. And it happened again this past weekend, almost came back to bite them again this weekend as they were in a dogfight against Louisiana Monroe. Like I said, they got the good fortune of the kicker missing the extra point in overtime. I personally thought that, hey, once they scored the touchdown, they should have went for the win. Just go go ahead, try to steal it right then. At least you go for the win going, you know, you lose going for the win instead of, you know, everybody expecting you're going to go into another overtime and you missed the kick. So I'm going to pose a question. Willie Taggart, does he make it to the end of this season? Or do you think he could possibly be the first coach fired during the season? 
he won't be the first coach that won't that won't get fired, but he won't make it to the end of the season. I think she's gonna be let go by he's gonna get he's gonna get let go and then they're gonna find a new coach and and then we're gonna find out what our what the new roles are gonna be, basically. Well, um LSU Looks like they finally found the quarterback. It's been one of their uh, things that's been kind of holding them back from really being a national contender uh, the past uh, three or four seasons. Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio State. It looks like the real deal as they went to Texas and they got a very impressive road win. Is this the year that LSU finally has enough at the quarterback position to compete with Alabama? I looked at Joe Barrett last year, and I was like, he could be something special if he has the right system. And, of course, with LSU and the way they traditionally ran things, it really wasn't a good fit. So I don't know if they did some adjustments in the offseason to adjust that offense. But Joe Barrett looked like the guy that I expected to to be. And I think if he has a consistency like this, LSU could definitely be a national contender. And they could definitely be a team that could be a force in the SEC West that could challenge Alabama, definitely. I think that it's a very bold claim, yes, but I think it can be done. You definitely have a guy who has a lot of confidence. He can make the throws. He can he can move in and out of the pocket. And LSU has a real legit shot at this title so definitely got to give them credit all right so that's just a little bit of college football there's not really a lot of uh big matchups this weekend as far as top 25 teams facing each other south carolina and alabama to you know top uh power five schools going against each other conference game but that's really about it that's a little bit juicy and sexy for this week so yeah, it'll be a you know maybe an upset here or there will, will, will happen and it'll add some spice to this week's matchup. But on paper, this looks kind of like a you know you know the big team should get a just another win to pad their winning towards their bowl. So you know it doesn't look like on paper there's going to be much to talk about in college football coming off of this weekend. But you never know. You never know. I mean. Syracuse did give Clemson a scare a couple of years ago, but they didn't face Trevor Lawrence in that game. So there's that in the ACC. Uh, Florida and Kentucky, it's a rivalry game in Lexington. Uh, we know I, do, I still don't really believe in the Gators, if we're being honest. You know, just coming off that Miami game, that they essentially spent a loss, but when Miami's offensive line is horrendous, you know, 10 sacks and 14 penalties won't cut it. So I definitely think that Kentucky has a good chance to upset Florida on that one. And then, then of course, the the Cyhawk trophy on the line in Ames with Iowa State and Iowa going at it. And the game that really impressed me from this past weekend, aside from the Army-Michigan game that went to double overtime, uh, was the 
game that followed it between Nebraska and Colorado. Uh, shout out to the Buffaloes to go two and zero, knock off the Huskers, and and make a lot of noise in the non-conference schedule. I mean, this was a rivalry game. The Buffaloes won in Lincoln last year during Nebraska's four nine season. Nebraska might have been a little bit hot, rated higher than they should have been, but. I think that was just more of the name of Scott Frost versus anything else. And and they fell to Colorado after being up double digits, too. Yep, yep. So, good win for Colorado. Tough for uh, Scott Frost, man. He's lost a lot of very close games since he's been back at Nebraska. Uh, hopefully, they can start getting over the hump. I still can't believe Martinez is a quarterback. Seems like he's been there for like seven years, but – He's got the Periolis effect. <laughs> so I'll turn it over to you, Dwayne, at this time for your final thoughts on for this week's Know the Score. Yeah, I think the game that we're going to be looking forward to next weekend is the game at Camp Randall between Michigan and Wisconsin. So that game next week uh, will be a huge game. Very big game for uh, the Wolverines there, as well as the Badgers. But uh, to my final thought, um, well, shout-outs to all the listeners. Shout-out to uh, the the uh, CSPN as well. Um, you know, I'll thank you, Don, for having me, as always. I uh, definitely enjoy doing the show with you. Um and uh, shout-out to all the listeners one more time. So uh, my final thought for for this week is basically with the Antonio Brown situation. I mean, we talked about, we talked about a lot of things on the field, but the off-the-field things have really been – a problem, uh, you, you know, he's got a pending case against him, and and basically, bottom line is just keep your hands to yourself, keep everything to yourself, and stop mistreating women. Like this is really getting old. It's been old. It never will be something I'm a fan of, and. You know, we gotta, we really gotta do right by women. Period. So, uh, of course, the case is pending. We don't know all the, we don't know the other side of the story. There's always two sides of the story, yes, but we all just gotta do better, especially us, us men. So, yeah, definitely gotta put that out there. All right, great message as always, Dwayne. Thank you for that. I'd like to thank the Lever Icon for joining me. Thank everybody on the CSPN, all the podcasters, all the hosts, and everybody who listens. Thank you very much for making the network what it is. Uh, please check out the Patreon page over on patreon.com forward slash CSPN to check out exclusive content from Know the Score, the Razzlecast, and other shows here on CSPN. My final thought this week will be a shout out to Bubba Wallace. He finished third at the Brickyard 400 this past Sunday. So good showing by him. 
Uh, definitely a season high finish. Uh, he started out in the 15th spot and worked his way up through the race. Uh, a big accident happened. He luckily avoided that. Made some nice moves during some restarts and I uh, found himself at the final restart in third place. I uh, really didn't have a car that was capable of winning, uh, but he did show a lot of driving talent and holding on to third place there at the end with some faster cars closing in on him. So good to see Bubba Wallace have some success this season. Uh, hopefully things are looking up. <clears throat> Excuse me, as we go into the NASCAR playoffs, we've got 10 more races to go. They're starting in Las Vegas this weekend to start the playoffs. So there's 10 more checkered flags out there for guys like Bubba Wallace, Jimmy Johnson, uh, guys who missed the playoffs, who haven't won a race yet, still got a chance to go out there, get a flag, and uh, we'll see what the playoff contenders, what they can do as they start to bring out their best pieces and equipment, parts and pieces that they've been working all season on, saving just for this particular round of uh, the race season. So things should start ramping up. We should see some exciting racing, some more aggressive racing, especially from the guys in the playoffs who are trying to hold their positions and other guys who are kind of uh, farther back in the field of the playoff contenders who know that if you win a race, you can advance to the next round. So I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of uh, aggressive strategies and guys trying to uh, put themselves in position for wins late in races and late in stages uh, to help get points and move on to the next part of the playoffs. Looking forward to that along with the NFL, college football, like Dwayne said, basketball is about three weeks away from college basketball. Monday night, uh, excuse me, uh, Midnight Madness starting up around the country. So October is the best month for all sports and it's rapidly approaching. It will be here soon. And then we'll have everything in full swing at one time and it will be glorious. So for the Libra Icon, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.